0: Hello, everyone. This is Chris Fisher, welcoming you to the Stoicism on Fire podcast, where the ancient practice of Stoic philosophy as a way of life and rational form of spirituality is still alive. In last week's podcast, I shared with you my first experiences with the Stoic conception of the divine, the Stoic God, and how, as an atheist, I had a real difficult time understanding the Stoic God, primarily because I really didn't even want to see it. I didn't want to take a look at it. It was a trigger for me. So this week, I want to dive into the Stoic conception of God because there's a tremendous amount of confusion about this out there, and it's confusion on both sides. And by both sides, I mean the the atheists that approach Stoicism and the theists that approach Stoicism, both tend to, understandably, interpret the Stoic conception of God from their pre-existing worldview. I want to try to dive in and separate both of those and, and take a look at the Stoic conception of God purely from the perspective of the ancient Stoics. In the past, I have written that the Stoic conception of the divine has little in common with the God of Western monotheistic religions. I think that may be an overstatement. It's not that there is very little in common, it's that what is in common can be misinterpreted. But there is a tremendous amount of terminology that is common, as an example, between Christianity and Stoicism. The early Christian fathers borrowed a lot from Stoicism, and so we see a great exchange of ideas between those two ways of life, those two theologies. The Stoic God is an all-pervasive, imminent, active force in the cosmos and is equivalent to and is often called nature in Stoicism. The Stoics famously used a lot of different terms to refer to their god, including the most famous, which is Zeus. But they also referred to god as pneuma, universal reason, and logos. One productive way to start a discussion about god is to come up with a list of things that Stoic god is not and that the Stoic god is so let's see if we can come up with such a list in the column of what the stoic god is not we would include transcendent supernatural anthropomorphic aristotle's prime mover and finally something that the modern stoics like to refer to the stoic god as a metaphor the stoic god is certainly not simply a metaphor so what is the stoic god what would we put in the is list we would put imminent Universal reason, logos, providential, creative fire, active principle, generative principle, which the ancient Stoics called spermaticos logos, world soul, breath, otherwise known as pneuma in Greek, Zeus, and world mind. The Stoics are most frequently considered pantheists by scholars of Stoicism. However, Deist, theist, and panentheist qualities are found in the surviving writings. It's important to keep in mind that all of these labels are modern creations. Therefore, none applies perfectly. The god of Stoicism does not fit neatly into any modern box. Most importantly, people use these terms with slightly different meaning. So we must be careful and accurate when we anachronistically refer to the Stoics using a modern term like pantheism. As an example, I've encountered several pantheists online who claim to be both pantheists and atheists. Simply put, at best, this is an abusive language. Our English word pantheism is derived from a combination of the Greek word pan, which means all, and theos, which means God. Therefore, pantheism means all is God. To declare oneself a pantheist and an atheist simultaneously may be a great conversation starter. However, if pressed, the individual making such a claim will necessarily have to redefine atheism to make themselves sensible. So where does this modern redefinition of pantheism as a form of atheism come from? It comes from Richard Dawkins, the famous advocate of new atheism. He once declared that pantheism is nothing more than, quote, sexed-up atheism in his book The God Delusion. Interestingly. It appears that the world pantheist movement agrees with Dawkins' assessment. On their website, you'll find the following passage quote, Richard Dawkins, in his book The God Delusion, has described pantheism as quote, sexed up atheism. End quote. That may seem flippant, but it is accurate. Of all religious or spiritual traditions, pantheism, the approach of Einstein, Hawking, and other scientists, is the only one that passes the muster of the world's most militant atheist. End quote. It might provide the world pantheist movement with some comfort making appeals to Dawkins and Einstein and Hawking, but at least in the case of Einstein, that claim is undercut by the fact that he vehemently denied being an atheist and was extremely critical of atheism on several occasions. Unfortunately, Abusing terms like pantheism in this manner only adds confusion to discussions about an already difficult topic. I will leave this topic with a clear statement. If your definition of pantheism is open to atheism, then it does not apply to the theology of the ancient Stoics. Period. There is no credible evidence. The ancient Stoics entertained atheism. In fact, the overwhelming body of evidence points in the opposite direction. The ancient Stoic worldview was deeply religious. The ancient Stoics considered theology the culmination or crown jewel of Stoic physics. Therefore, to understand their conception of God, we need to have some grounding in their conception of being. This is called ontology. That is the study of what exists. In Stoic ontology, only bodies exist. A body, in Stoicism, is anything that can be acted upon or anything that acts. In common usage, The things that we can touch and feel would be the things that can be acted upon. In other words, physical objects. And we would consider physical laws such as gravity or the electromagnetic force as things which have the ability to act upon other objects. So we have all bodies being defined as that which has the ability to act and that which can be acted upon. But then we go to the next step, the next level of ontology. Which is that all bodies in Stoicism are comprised of two principles or arche: a passive principle and an active principle. The passive principle they referred to as undifferentiated matter. The active principle was pneuma or God. So everything that exists in Stoicism, every body that exists in Stoicism, is comprised of a mixture of this passive principle, this undifferentiated matter, and pneuma, spirit or God, which infuses that matter, which permeates that matter, and actually differentiates it, brings it to life, if you will. And this brings us to another misunderstood term in Stoicism, and that is the term materialism. A lot of scholars will use the word materialism to define Stoic physics or Stoic ontology, and it is an accurate term if it's properly understood. However, Stoic materialism is not the reductive materialism of modern science. Instead, Stoic materialism infers that only bodies exist. And it might be more accurate to call it corporealism as opposed to materialism. Better yet, it would be best referred to as vitalism, because everything in Stoic ontology has an active principle within it. It has a vital force already inside that ontological entity no matter how small it may be. All right, with that little bit of background, let's dive into the Stoic conception of God. The first and one of the most powerful passages we have that describes for us the Stoic conception of God interestingly comes from the very early Stoa, the second scholar of the Stoa, Cleanthes, in his famous Hymn to Zeus. The opening lines of that hymn read as follows: Most glorious of the immortals, Invoked by many names, ever all powerful, Zeus, the final cause of nature, who rules all things with law. Hail! It is right for mortals to call upon you, since from you we have our being. We, whose lot it is to be God's image, we alone of all mortal creatures that live and move upon the earth. Accordingly, I will praise you with my hymn and ever sing of your might." End quote. Before we proceed, I want to address a potential misunderstanding. In the hymn to Zeus, obviously Cleanthes is using the name of Zeus to invoke the Stoic conception of divine. However, the Stoics did not believe in Greek mythology. They used the language of Greek mythology as metaphorical language to relay what they were trying to communicate with the their conception of the divine, because that is what Greeks at that time used. Please don't make the mistake of thinking, oh no, the Stoics believed in mythology and they believed that Zeus sat on top of Mount Olympus throwing lightning bolts down on the evil and and so forth. That is not the Stoic conception of the divine. It just happens to be the language that they're using to communicate it poetically. Brad Inwood, the respected Stoic scholar and editor of the Cambridge Companion to the Stoics, writes quote, The themes of Cleanthes' hymn lie at the heart of Stoicism and help to flesh out the doctrines of Chrysippus that theology is the culmination of physics. Like every branch of philosophy, physics is intimately concerned with the place of human beings in the coordinated whole which is run by Zeus. End quote. One interesting aspect of Cleanthe's hymn is the theism, which is so apparent. That is why it can be reasonably argued that pantheism is not an ideal term, not an ideal description of Stoic theology. Because from the very beginning, and we see it very pronounced here in Cleanthe's hymn, there is a thread of theism that runs throughout the theology of the Stoics. John Thaum, in his brilliant book on Cleanthe's hymn to Zeus, writes, the cause of the difficulty regarding Stoic prayer, and indeed, Stoic religion in general, may be ascribed to the fact that Stoicism was, from the beginning, not purely pantheistic, but an amalgam of pantheism and theism. Thom goes on to argue that, quote, According to Cleanthe's hymn, the philosophical life is a religious life, and vice versa. Quote. As Giovanni Rial points out in his work on Hellenistic philosophy, In the history of the Stoa, God will tend to assume more and more spiritual and personal traits. Religiousness will tend to permeate more and more strongly the system, and prayer will begin to acquire a precise meaning. The Stoa will turn, especially in the last stage, toward theism, but without arriving at it fully. Some modern Stoics like to point to the disagreement among the Stoics regarding Stoic theology, specifics about Stoic theology, as evidence to support agnosticism or even atheism. That is a non-sequitur. The fact that they had disagreements about the nature of the divine does not in any way suggest that they doubted the existence of the divine. What is important is that we see, from the very beginning of the ancient Stoa, a thread of theism that remains. Whether or not that becomes more pronounced or less pronounced is hard to argue based upon the documents that we have, but we know it's there in the beginning, as evidenced by Cleanthes' hymn to Zeus, and we know it's there near the end, as is clearly evidenced in the discourses of Epictetus. While it is true, the Stoic God is not the transcendent supernatural God of Western monotheistic religions. Nevertheless, it is also not the metaphorical, sexed-up, atheistic god of Richard Dawkins. For many people who come from a religious tradition of some form of Western theism, the god of Stoicism is probably going to be too small. Likewise, anyone who is inclined toward agnosticism or atheism will find that the Stoic god is way too big for their liking. That certainly does not mean that people from Both of those groups cannot find value in Stoicism, cannot appreciate Stoicism, and in fact cannot create a new syncretism of Stoicism. They can. The moderns are creating syncretisms of both atheism and Christianity that I think will be very helpful to moderns who hold to those worldviews. However, it's important to realize that those are syncretisms, and they necessarily diverge from the ancient conceptions of the divine in order to accommodate their own worldview of either full-blown theism or atheism. Again, there's nothing wrong with that, and I think it can be very helpful for the people who hold those worldviews. Nevertheless, I think there are a lot of people out there who will consider themselves maybe under the tag of spiritual but not religious. They're open to the idea of an imminent force within the cosmos. They're open to the idea of a higher power, of a concept, of a Mind like background, a consciousness that pervades the cosmos. They're open to the idea that everything that we encounter in our everyday life, life itself, our human consciousness, simply cannot be the result of a random accident or long series of improbable accidents. Most importantly, there are a lot of people who intuitively feel there must be some inherent purpose in the cosmos. And therefore, there must be some inherent meaning to our human existence. They may agree with what French philosopher Pierre Haydoux calls the existential choice of the Stoics, that it is impossible that the universe could produce human rationality unless the latter were already in some way present within the former. For those people, the Stoic God might be just exactly what they're looking for. It may be the missing ingredient that allows them to empower their Stoic practice and help them find meaning in life. The Stoic conception of God may be just enough to set their Stoic practice on fire. Thank you for listening to the Stoicism on Fire podcast. If you're interested in this ancient practice of Stoicism, you'll find plenty of resources at www.traditionalstoicism.com. If you're interested in a social media environment where this form of Stoicism is being discussed, please join us on Facebook in the Traditional Stoicism group. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a positive review on iTunes. That helps other people find this podcast and get introduced to the ancient spiritual practice of the Stoics. If you have feedback for me or a great podcast idea, please send me an email at chris at traditionalstoicism.com. Until next time, I hope you'll continue exploring traditional Stoicism where the cosmos is alive with the meaning and purpose of the divine fire of the ancient Stoics. I wish you well and encourage you to keep your practice of Stoicism on fire.